Welcome to The Determined Mom Show, the only marketing podcast dedicated to guiding mom CEOs into tranquility, wealth, and multiplying those precious moments. Welcome to this episode of The Determined Mom Show. Today I have with me the lovely Kristen Cook, Dr. Kristen Cook, and she is a pediatrician. And today she's going to be talking about how to understand your child at any age through problematic behavior. So welcome. Thank you, Amanda. I am so, so excited to be here. I love this topic and I can't wait to get into it. Yeah. So tell us about you, about yourself. I know you've written a book and you have some other projects going on, which is at least I know that our pediatrician doesn't do all these really cool things. So (laughs) I'm excited to learn, uh, you know, what you do. Yeah. So I um, have been in practice in pediatric medicine for almost a decade. I have a, a busy medical practice in the Midwest. I recently published my first book. It's called I Got You Mama, A Pediatrician's Guide to Surviving and Thriving During Pregnancy, Childbirth, and the First Year of Your Baby's Life. And I recently found out that I was named one of Castle Connolly's top doctors of 2021. So that was really cool. Congratulations. That's huge. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love you have this... Um entrepreneurial spirit about you and like this kind of, I don't know, this business and exploratory thing that I think a lot of pediatricians, well, that I've never met one that does these things. (laughs) So I just admire that. I really do. I've been doing this for, for quite some time. And I really, when it comes to children's behavior, I have been talking about the same thing for years. And I really just wanted to expand my reach. You know, I I wanted to be able to help not just my patients and their families, but really parents everywhere. Because let's face it, being a parent is really hard. It's amazing and wonderful, but it's hard. Yeah. It's really difficult. I have a friend Mm -hmm. that posts hilarious, uh, updates on Facebook. And the other day she posted like 90% of the time, I don't enjoy being a parent, but then a hundred percent of the time I love my kids. So <laughs> I think yeah. I'm, I'm, oh think I'm gosh, doing okay. That is so true. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So. And being a parent really becomes a little bit easier and less stressful. If you can understand where your child is coming from. And this takes work and it's hard, but it's achievable. So one of the things that I always tell my families is that the human brain does not fully develop until a person is in their mid twenties. So all of the major parts are present, but the right kind of connections aren't. The brain is constantly wiring and rewiring itself based upon experiences with other people and the interpretation of the world around the person. So really, when it comes to to children of any age, you're dealing with a brain that's under construction. And if you can understand a little bit about that construction process, you can understand and then help manage your children's behavior in a much more effective, positive, and calm way. I love that. And I just want to also add that that explains a lot of the mistakes that I made in my early twenties. So as an quote unquote adult (laughs) and the choices, exactly. Yeah. The choices that I made. (laughs) Right. I mean, the, the brain really develops from the back forward and those we call them executive functioning skills. And it includes the ability to, to rationalize, to remember instructions, to pay attention for sustained periods of time. Again, those types of functions are not present in childhood, 
we as parents have a role in helping that executive functions develop. Yeah, I love that. I think I'm working on that with uh, our kids who are 11, 9, and 3, and 4 almost. Yeah, and so. it's, it's a constant process, right? Like as parents, we're always learning new things and kind of having to change our approach based on our kids' temperaments and, and their age and, and kind of where they're at in their little lives. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I've noticed it's weird having kids in like all these different developmental stages because they're so different, but it's nice because then by the third one, you're like, oh yeah, I remember this. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so when you look at, at children through the spectrum of, of their development, when it comes to, to toddlers, one of the things that I always tell my families is if your child is not able to ask why, don't assume that they have any capacity to be rational. You know, toddlers, in terms of their development, they have big emotions that they really have not the ability to explain. They're also really highly reactive. They're not logical. They're really kind of functioning from a very primitive portion of the brain, which is why they're so prone to temper tantrums. I don't know a parent in the world that has not experienced temper tantrums. And oh my gosh, when they happen in public... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Yes. That just happened to me two days ago, by the way. Um, but there really is a, a neurological basis for a temper tantrum. So what I tend to tell my families is think of a temper tantrum. Now that we're talking about unintentional temper tantrums, right? Because we know that older kids sometimes throw temper tantrums on purpose to try to get what they want. That's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about are those unintentional temper tantrums. And the way I like to think about them is the brain just gets hijacked. It gets hijacked by a portion of itself called the amygdala. The amygdala is a portion of the brain that is responsible for the fight or flight response. And a temper tantrum really is just an expression of the fight or flight response. A toddler has perceived a threat and then they react. And that's what a temper tantrum is. That makes sense. So in order to best manage a temper tantrum, our adult brain wants to try to talk them out of it, right? It wants to reason with them. It wants to explain to them why they're being such a fool and why there's really not a threat, even though their brain says that they're a threat. That type of response is actually going to make a temper tantrum worse. So when the temper tantrum happens and the brain is in amygdala hijack, the best thing a parent can do is soothe the child if they're able. Now, sometimes kids are so worked up that you can't soothe them at that time. That's okay. Then keep them the area around them safe, ignore what they're doing, and try to redirect them. And then once the temper tantrum is over and the child is calm, then you First off, validate their emotions, but then bring the logic back in and explain very briefly why the behavior was problematic. So for example, at the end of a temper tantrum, you can say to a child, wow, it looks like you were really mad. It's okay to be bad, but you cannot hit. And so that's kind of my approach to managing temper tantrums because they're going to happen, right? Yeah, definitely. You want to try to minimize them and then help a child learn from them afterwards. I love that. I think 
had I known this two days ago when we were in the store and my three-year-old was throwing a temper tantrum, I think I could have applied these techniques. I think I kind of did all of that. Like I talked to her and tried to reason with her and all of those things. But then I was like, okay, I know she's just going to cry it out and just let her like have her little, you know, she wouldn't let me hold her. She wouldn't let me look at her. She wouldn't like look me in the eye so I could talk to her. She was like not having it. So I was just like, okay, let's go over here and look at this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and then kids don't throw temper tantrums because they're jerks, right? They're not trying to be annoying. They're not trying to mess up our day. They're not trying to, you know, attract attention from strangers who, of course, in the grocery store will come up to you and be like, I could have handled that better, right? Mm -hmm. They're they're doing it because their brain just gets overwhelmed. Yeah. And that's their response. Yep. That's exactly right. I love it. I love it. All right. Awesome. And temper tantrums really, again, can happen at any age. The younger a child is, the more likely they are to be unintentional. But then as kids get older and they start to develop their language skills, we get other problematic behavior. So preschoolers, those three to six-year-old kids, this is a time of dramatic brain development. There's kids this age are starting to problem solve. They're starting to answer the who, what, why, when, where questions. They're liking to play with friends. But again, they still don't have those executive functions yet. The ability to rationalize, the ability to pay attention for sustained periods of time. And preschool age tends to be the time when we start to see the back talk. Oh my goodness, the back talk. Yes, definitely. You can't make me. You're so mean. I don't want to. I hate you, mommy. I mean, what parent hasn't had their child say those things to them, right? And again, kids are engaging in backtalk to be little jerks. Yeah. They're they're not. Kids don't want to be annoying. And it's hard because my kids annoy me seriously on a a kind of a nearly daily basis. Mm -hmm. And I have to remind myself that they're not acting like that on purpose. Yeah. But I get a lot of, I mean, you know, the first time my daughter told me that she hated me, she was four. I was like, where is this coming from? Yeah. Um, but there really is a reason that kids backtalk and they backtalk for, for a, a large variety of reasons. So a lot of times backtalk is an expression of needing help. I know that sounds crazy, but oftentimes kids will backtalk when they feel powerless or disrespected they're testing their boundaries. And what you don't want to do as a parent is fall into a, a power struggle trap when it comes to backtalk. Because it's it's hard sometimes. You know, these things that they say, they don't mean to be hurtful, but they can really hurt. I mean, when the first time my daughter slammed the door at me and told me she hated me, I cried. Yeah. You know, it, it hurt. And it it's natural to try to be reactive to that. But you will be much more effective at managing backtalk if you kind of take a step back and slow things down. So don't fall into a power struggle. You don't need to remind your kids that you're the boss. They know that telling them that you're the boss so that they need to do this anyway is not going to be effective. When it comes to back talk, one of the more effective strategies is to, again, validate the child's emotions and then bring them back to logic. Wow, it looks like you don't want to clean your room. But your room is really messy and that's that's your job. So do you want to clean it now or do you want to clean it in a half an hour? You know, giving kids choices can be really, really powerful. Um, one of the things that I do when I, 
I kind of feel like I'm losing it when it comes to getting frustrated with my kids is I always remember the phrase, you have two choices. Our job as parents is to teach our children, right? To empower them, to help them grow into healthy, productive, empathetic adults. And giving them choices is a way that kind of validates them and gives them a little bit of a sense of power. And that can be really helpful when it comes to managing backtalk. Now, the other aspect of backtalk, when they say things and they say, okay, I don't want to clean my room, but you still have the expectation for them to clean their room. It's really important as a parent, don't change your expectations. Okay. We don't want to give into our kids and let them rule the roost. You want to make sure you have clear expectations and consistently deliver consequences if the child does not live up to that expectation. I love this. This is like helping me just to plan out my day of how I'm going to react to my children, because this is like the first full week of summer break. And so (laughs) we're in like full, like I'm still trying to work and they're on vacation mode and, and that kind of exactly, exactly. Yeah. We actually, so our kids first week of summer break was last week Mm -hmm. and I was in clinic and seeing patients all week. So my husband was the one that was home with them and I could honestly see his level of tolerance decreasing as the week progressed. Yes. And by Friday night, I had to pull him aside and say, don't engage. You know, you're trying to reason with them when their little brain is overwhelmed and not able to be rational. Yeah. Give it some time. Let their brains calm down. Once they're out of that emotional reactive phase, then let's bring back the logic. But it's hard. It's hard because as parents, we want to react and we want to fix. And, yeah. and it, it, that's not the most effective way. Yeah. We also have an emotional reactive phase, <laughs> right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and one of the problematic behaviors where that kind of reactive emotional parent phase comes up is with whining. Mm. You know, what parent has not been completely annoyed when their kid whines. Yeah. It like it's under your skin and like the anger just comes out. It's so weird. It's like this feeling of like, Oh, I don't know. My gosh. Yeah. And you know, the interesting thing is there actually is a biological reason why whining gets more attention. So when somebody talks in a whining manner, so when they, it's that really irritating mix of high-pitched talking mixed with crying. And, you know, it is. It's like nails on a chalkboard, right? Yeah. That type of pitch and tone of the voice actually gets attention faster than a normal voice. And it is. It's that nails on the chalkboard sensation that makes a parent want to react to that whining faster. Interesting. Yeah. Our that, kids are basically... Fair? I know it's... It, it's oh my gosh brain development is fascinating it's so fascinating yeah so that's why whining is effective is because it actually creates a faster response and the brain is always looking for ways to be more efficient and whining gets the quicker response than non-whining does now that doesn't mean we encourage whining by any means we want it to go away right right so what i tell families is try to look at whining as an expression of need. Your child needs something when they're whining. They need comfort. They need help. They need validation of their emotions. They, they, they need a connection with you. 
even though it's an expression of need, it's still annoying, right? And we want it to make it go away. I always tell families to approach whining in a very similar manner that you approach temper tantrums and back talk and all of that. Number one, you got to stay calm. You got to put on your poker face because if your kids see you react to whining, even if it's in a negative fashion, it's going to encourage them to do it more because they're getting what they want and what they want is a response from you. So what I like to tell parents when it comes to whining is if your child is whining, first of all, do they know they're whining? Some kids don't understand when they're whining. They don't know yeah. what that means. And so for a parent to approach a child and say, stop whining, if the child doesn't know what whining is, you're getting nowhere. Yeah. So one of the things you can do is actually record your child whining and record them talking in a normal voice and show them the difference. Ooh, this is what that. I mean by when I say you're whining and stop it, this is the voice I'm talking about. And kids are going to need to hear that difference more than one time. But that can be a very effective tool at helping um, to minimize whining. I love that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And then when they are whining, instead of reacting with don't stop whining, that's annoying. I, I, you calmly say, I'm sorry. I don't understand what you're saying when you use that voice. Can you talk a little differently? Can you use your normal voice? Yes. And then always... don't respond until they speak in that normal voice. Yes. I do that to my kids all the time. I'm like, I can't hear you because you're whining. Absolutely. And then the other very important thing when it comes to all of this type of problematic behavior, whether it's whining or temper tantrums is don't give in. If kids get what they want, cause they're acting a fool, they're going to do it more. You have got to be consistent in your approach and you have got to follow through on consequences, which means that you have to set consequences that are realistic. You know, if your kid is acting up and you say, you know what, if you don't stop it, we're not going on vacation next week. Are you really not going on vacation next week? Yeah, probably not. No, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we have to be consistent and set clear expectations and then follow through. The fortune is in the follow-up. Yeah. I love this. And I'm actually in the middle of struggling with that right now. And my husband keeps going, no, you just have to stick with it, stick with it because I took their computers away. So they can't play their video games because they're not doing their chores properly at the end of the day. So that one of them has to put the dishes in the dishwasher and the other one has to make sure that the living room and dining room is, you know, clean. There's no toys anywhere and that kind of thing. And they haven't been doing it. (laughs) I'm like, oh my goodness, they haven't been doing it. Like, you know, like they're supposed to do it. So but I'm like, yeah. oh, I need to. Get yeah. And it's just, and it, and it, they're going to, because they don't have their computer, mm-hmm. they're going to whine and they're going to be extra kind of annoying. And because they, they don't have something that they want. You got to just <clears throat> dig your heels in and just be firm. Don't yeah. give in. I know <clears throat> I'm, I'm trying not to, but it's really hard because also that's like a way for them to leave me alone for an hour, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, you know, my kids too, they love their tablets and it, you know, so when my husband threatens to take away their tablets for the rest of the day, I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's set a different consequence. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like we need those a little bit for like built-in babysitting at this point. Um, so just, just hold on. Right. I mean, electronics get a bad rap, but really from time to time, I don't know what I would do without them quite yeah, honestly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I definitely use them for meetings and recordings and, and those types of things. Oh, <laughs> Other for times sure. I'm Absolutely. Like, eh. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, 
I what love a fun that. topic. I love this topic. I could talk about this topic all day. Yeah, I love it too. And I think it's extremely important for us as mom entrepreneurs to really have these tools that we can kind of nip things in the bud and not waste a lot of time with like the whining and the, you know, all of these behaviors that you're talking about really. Yeah. And it's just, again, a matter of understanding a little bit about brain development so you can approach the problematic behavior in a more effective way. Yeah. That's all it is. I love it. So what about the queens or teens or whatever the next developmental stage is? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love teenagers. I think I love teenagers so much because I don't have one yet. Mm -hmm. I really think that's what it is. So the thing about teenagers is that they physically sometimes look like Mm grownups and they're not, they're not, they still don't have those executive function skills. They really operate from a, a portion of the brain called the nucleus accumbens, which is very kind of much pleasure driven. So they're wanting to do things that make them happy. And they're going to really resist anything their parents says, because they know better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I remember that person. (laughs) Yeah. And so, so you get a lot of back talk and you get a lot of, you can't make me. And it really is, even though they are much more logical than a toddler, We still have to remember when it comes to our teenagers and our preteens, we need to validate the emotions. Even if we think those emotions are ridiculous. I mean, okay. How many teenage girls have, have been crying because they wore an outfit that their friend didn't like. Yeah. And as a grown up, we're like, girl, you look great. What do I, why do you care what they think? But to them, it's devastating because they're in that emotional part of their brain. So really with teenagers, sometimes even more than the little ones, we really have to validate their emotions. Gosh, it it seems like that really hurt your feelings. Gosh, you seem frustrated. Can you tell me what's going on? And so approaching a teenager from that aspect, and then once you validate their emotions, you can bring them back to the logic. So that's that's kind of my approach with teenagers. I love that. And it makes yeah. so much sense. I'm just thinking about teenage, my niece, for example, um, who's 16 and, you know, like just different teenagers that I know. And also myself from when I was a teenager and how I reacted to things. And you are so right about the pleasure driven. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I think about all of the things that teenagers like to do and that I used to like to do and, and that kind of thing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it, again, it's just kind of, it's not giving in. It's just understanding where they are coming from and kind of changing your approach based on that. But yeah, so much sense. I love it. Yeah. I'm so glad, you know, and for any parent that wants more information about this topic, I do have e-courses available on my website. I got So please check it out. This problematic behavior, it's, it's annoying, but it's definitely manageable. Yeah. I love it. Those are, I love that we work through all of those different phases, first of all, because all of the moms listening have, you know, children in maybe multiple phases like myself and and yourself, but they also may have just been working through those phases with one child 
And knowing these tips and tools are extremely important to keeping that kind of sanity about ourselves. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And, and, as, and as CEOs, we need to be really productive with our time, right? right. So learning to kind of manage these behaviors and, and, and shorten them and minimize them. Oh my gosh, how much better is your day going to be? Yeah. I love that. We all need, it's like time management for children, like how to manage your children's problematic behaviors and save time (laughs) and energy and (laughs) And just have a more peaceful, tranquil environment in your home. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things that this podcast is about is you know, bringing that tranquility and then also multiplying the moments that are really important. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, and one, one final thing, catch your kids being good and praise them. Oh my gosh. If you want a behavior to continue, you need to praise it a million times. Yeah. I love that. It's like the, the, what do they call that in um, HR? They call it the negative sandwich or is it the positive sandwich? I can't remember, but like where you say something positive, then negative, and then positive, you yeah. always like sandwich it in there with the, you know, uh-huh. with the positive. So, yeah. So absolutely. If, if people want to get in touch with you, where is your favorite place to connect with people online? Yeah. So, um, certainly you can check out my website. I got you mama.com and I am, I don't want to say I'm old because I don't feel old, but I am still much more comfortable with Facebook than I am any other type of social media. So I do have an amazing Facebook community called I Got You Mama. It's it's very much what this podcast is about. It's the Facebook community. It's a little bit medical. It's a little bit child development. It's a whole lot of parenting truths. Um, I'm completely transparent with my life as a parent and I make mistakes all the time. Um, and it's just this, the, I got you mama Facebook community is just a safe place for parents to just be real. Yeah. I love that. I'm joining right now, by the way. And, um, yeah. And all of those links will be in the show notes. So you'll be able to connect with Kristen in whatever way you'd like and follow her on Instagram and Facebook and all of the things and definitely reach out and get those tips that she has on her website and purchase her book. If not for you, then maybe for someone, you know, that is pregnant or having a baby and just support her wherever you can. Oh, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to be here today. Thank you. Your podcast helps so many women. Thank you. I love having women like you on and I appreciate you being here as well. Thank you. This episode of the Determined Mom Show is brought to you by Google Growth Generator. This 21-day email course will help you learn to optimize your Google My Business listing in the same way that we do for our clients here at TDM Marketing. Our client, a baby sleep specialist, got 126.32% more website visits in the first month after her optimization was completed. Another client, a chiropractic practice, got 26.67% more phone calls in the first month after optimization was completed. And finally, our client, who is a residential cleaning service, got 61.11% more website visits in the first month after optimization. If you're not sure if Google My Business optimization is for you, listen to what Kristen Ratten from Kristen Ratten Content Services had to say about her optimization. 
I hired Amanda to optimize my Google My Business listing and within 10 days, my views were up 150%. This may be one of the most valuable things I've ever done for my business and Amanda made it quick, easy and painless. If you are ready to get started with your Google My Business optimization, go over to gomybusiness.com. That's G-O, mybusiness.com forward slash growth.